Welcome to Pros and Cons, a show about a variety of topics. I'm Jack. And I'm Kev. Let's talk about the Yankees 2022 season for the last time this year. Yes, sir. Last time we checked in, late August, somewhere around there, but, you know, now giving you the end, the sad end to the Yankee season. Yeah, last time when we were recording, we were kind of coming off a especially bad stretch in July and August was the worst of them all, at least as far as record and all that. And we had touched on how they had just brought up Oswaldo Cabrera, who was already making an impact at that point, who continued to through the end of the season. They finally called up Barraza at the beginning of September, even though they never really gave him much playing time, even though he was hitting in all those points and playing good defense. But really what September was about was the judge home run chase and chasing basically for people who don't know the AL record for the American League and also the Yankees franchise record both of which were held by Roger Maris at 61 home runs in one season. There's bigger records in the NL but those are also with the steroid asterisk and yeah you can make the argument of course that all of the past ones are tainted in some way but Basically, Judge is chasing this big record that is still significant and still means a lot to a lot of people, but it took a while in September, especially after he hit the 60th to get there. I think it was after the 59th that really it was like every at bat, all eyes on Judge. And then when he hit the 60th, that was the first like big moment with that. That game was also crazy because right after that, Stanton hits the grand slam to walk it off and it was a whole thing. But then it was really after that that it took forever to get to 61 and later 62 also. Yeah, that was kind of crazy to watch and experience and follow really overall. Because he got to 59 with a good chunk of the season left, a good Mm -hmm. part of the month left. So I feel like most of us as Yankee fans are like, yo, this is backed up. There's the stat, like he homers every X amount of at-bats. Like this is is nothing. Yeah, he kind of got to 60 and, you know humans everyone kind of likes those round numbers 60 so that was good that was like mm-hmm. we're here and it was at home at yankee stadium too it was just like fun overall the season had gotten a little better you did mention that bad bad july and early august things did get better and mostly because of the help of judge and some other best i woke up oswaldo himself too brought up a little bit of energy with him but yeah he hit that 60 and it was like all right we got this and like you said man it took a little longer than most of us want to hit 61 and then on top of that to get to 62 it's like i don't even i want to say there's three four games left to the season. yeah it was the last series of the year and we were like oh fuck like this could get ugly like are they gonna start walking him he might not even really get the real chance to hit this a game goes by and it's like fuck now there's only like two or three games like what's going on yeah, he was getting walked like two times a game at least, which yeah. takes obviously the at-bat kind of away from him. And it was one of those like, yeah, the Yankees would like play in a way where like he won't break the record. Like this is like the luck we've had the last couple seasons. And yeah, he didn't hit it like on the third to last game. And I think it was on the second to last game where I want to say it was in the first inning. I wasn't watching this game. I think I was at work, but it was in the first inning because I remember Cole also broke the Yankee strikeout record in the bottom of that inning after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been such a tease and so anticlimactic for him not to have hit it and just stayed at a tie. 
No one likes a tie. That's no fun. Especially in a case like this where you have had plenty of time to do it. It was like literally just a sigh of relief. Like, fuck, he did it. Oh my god. Like, you did not want to go to the very last game of the season with that on your shoulders. So that was like somehow, some way stressful even for the fans. Because <laughs> like, at least for me, I was like, fuck, like I really want him to break this record. But fun to say the least. I mean, I was very invested. I was trying to tune in to basically every bat I could, even if it was just on my phone while I was out. Luckily did catch the 62. And they did feel special, like 61, 60 as well, like we said, because of the game and everything. And 62, like, they all had their moments in a way. And, like, his mom was traveling to every game and stuff like that. And it felt like the only focus during that month. Like, the Yankees were playing a little better than they had been, but still some questionable things. But everything was just focused on Judge, no matter what, anyway. I don't get to say this often. Mostly because I don't think they deserve it or for us to even say it. But one of the very few times I'll say like shout out to MLB. They went crazy. Like every at bat, I feel like I was getting notifications just like to see Aaron Judge break the record. Will he do it? Tune in right now. And like if you click it, it would actually take you to a live feed of it. Give the shit for free. Give people a taste. Give people a taste of like a crowd going wild. They'll give it a chance. They want to go to games. I think it was great. I think it's something I hope they keep doing whether it's Shohei, whatever baseball player, Pujols, you know, who was chasing 700 this season as well. I did see some backlash to it, though, like when they aired it during college football and stuff, like side by side. <laughs> people were like, why are you showing baseball? I'm trying to watch football. Yeah, that, that's a little toxic. I can't <laughs> lie, but I mean, I have that baseball bias. So maybe not interrupting things like that, give people an option, but make a moment out of it. Make more people want to watch it. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about quote unquote a legitimate home run record like is this legit for you you know the asterisk ones or do you count barry and all the other ones growing up as a kid watching barry bonds hitting all those home runs you can't take away even with steroids like how magical that felt to watch and how amazing it was and i don't really have a problem with it in that way but i also think not everything's black and white and we can acknowledge that those did happen with steroids or whatever, and that Judge otherwise has the most. And I wouldn't say in my head it's like, oh, Judge is the clear number one record holder. But at the same time, it feels like a bigger accomplishment than just being the AL record, just being the Yankees franchise record. But at the same time, for me, the whole Roger Maris 61 story and narrative as Yankees fans is like drilled into your head. There's a Billy Crystal movie about it and everything. So it's been like part of my, you know, history and consciousness of the Yankees for all this time. And to have someone break that is also a big deal, even within the franchise alone. So I definitely think for Yankee fans, that means more to them than anyone else. But I still think it's a big deal overall. And a point you've made several times before as well is when you take into the context of how bad hitting was this year, it's even more impressive. Yeah, I for sure like the fact that it's almost like a Yankee record at this point. He was trying to break Babe Ruth's record. Mm -hmm. So I do like the fact that, you know, it's like, oh, breaking Babe Ruth and then breaking Maris's and now maybe Judge is trying to break his record again as a Yankee, you know, next mm -hmm. year. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, God willing.
Yeah, so that that's kind of cool, at least on the AL side. I don't know, bro. I count the steroids one. Yeah, I'm almost up for steroids. Like, yo, it takes skill. It's not the power. I'm not saying that it wasn't an advantage or a crazy difference in advantage from all the other players and all the peers, at least during the steroids era. But to me, it's almost dumb to, like, turn a blind eye or, like, act like they don't exist. Yeah, 100%. I feel like there's a happy middle for everything. I'm not saying <laughs> for MLB to let players use steroids, but again, I think it's just almost dumb to like avoid that part of history just because of that and keep that from the Hall of Fame and all that. That's for another conversation, but yeah, just to wrap up on that, definitely agree. Steroid players should not be kept out of the Hall of Fame. You're just ignoring the history of the game and trying to act like it didn't happen, just like with the record conversation and even in general, like baseball has such a long history. But when you're comparing the era Babe Ruth was playing baseball in to the era now, they're two completely different games. So it is fun to compare numbers and have these long records and stuff. But it's also different anyway that at the end of the day, how much does it really matter in that way in terms of the comparison? Mm -hmm. That was a kind of more positive ending to the season. But we were still facing a lot of question marks about the roster and injuries and everything. And going into the playoffs, the Yankees had won the AL East, even though got a bit close at the end, a lot more than it should have. But they did get the bye in the wildcard round because they won the division and were one of the top two teams in the AL. Real quick, since you just mentioned it, pro or con, the new uh, playoff bracket setup. I feel like we need to see another year or two of it to get a bigger sample size, but I'm not mad at it, I don't think. The layoff for the division winners who had the bye, maybe it hurt them, but I mean, the Astros didn't hurt them at all, so it's not like it affected every team. It's maybe you just have to adjust how you game plan for it, but I think it seems to make sense, and it was a, I don't know, interesting set of matchups and all that. I like the setup of it so far. I think it's an improvement from the way that it was mm-hmm. but i do agree that it's kind of one of the things we have to study a little bit more and see how it works i think there is room for improvement maybe with scheduling and stuff like that like you just kind of mentioned but i do like the way that it adds a couple more teams and how structured the one game playoff is shaky i don't like that idea at all yeah we don't need to go into the whole entire format and what the rules are but i would say maybe the biggest change is the difference from the one game wild card to a three game now, which is a lot more fair than just your whole season resting on one night or one game. Especially when it's a sport that you literally play series in. Yeah, exactly. Having a sudden death game is not it. So going into the playoffs, we knew from those wild card series that the Yankees would be playing either the Guardians or the Rays, which already to me was a win because I feel like the other series, the Mariners, Blue Jays, either one of those teams would have been more difficult. And the Mariners were the ones who advanced, and they definitely would have scared me in a matchup. Not that I thought the Guardians were going to be, you know, a cakewalk either. And of course, the Rays also give us headaches all the time, especially in the trop. But I still felt better going into that, that we would have the winner of that instead. Yeah, the Mariners were just on some Cinderella shit, like, they were just running high on like life and like, yeah, we're going to win this and we're lucky to be here. And that's always scary to face. So 
Toronto's just always scary. There's a lot of talent, even though they're like annoying and overly cocky, have never really proved themselves, but you still don't want to pitch to Bichette. You still don't want to pitch to Flatty. You still don't want to pitch to <laughs> Springer. Like, there's still people you don't want to face, and you don't want to <laughs> face Manoa. But yeah, luckily enough, we didn't have to face him. Guardians win their series against the Rays without too much difficulty. I mean, they had that one 15-inning game that was crazy, which they won on a walk-off at the end. And they almost had some of that underdog magic to them, too, because they weren't even supposed to make the playoffs this year. And most of their team is super young, like 15 guys or something made their first major league appearance this year. Like it was a lot of just scrappy young players who are great. Like I'm not even saying that in a bad way. It's just more impressive. It's like, oh, the Yankees don't even want to play one rookie? Nah, we're going to play half our team is rookies. Exactly. And it's like, oh, damn, chill. Like, you know, meet in the middle somewhere. But hey, worked out for them. They almost played a weird form of baseball. It's easy to compare. We mentioned them together, Tampa Bay and the Guardians. They almost play the same style. They always hit, going to put the ball in play, make few errors, and you'll win games. That's literally how they play. And <laughs> against this year's Yankees, that's almost all you need to win games against them. We got them game one, but after that, it was shaky. Bats fall asleep, and that shit we've seen all season. Literally, that whole gap of July, August that we mentioned earlier just started. That was like they're technically number one. We know that their number two is coming up. Yeah, because their pitching matchups were shifted from the series they just played. So Savali started that game one, then Bieber, then McKenzie. Yeah, so Bieber got us. Like We, we got a few hits in there, so it wasn't like quite a no-hitter. But obviously, the offense just wasn't there. And it's like, oh, no, here we go again. And literally, like the problems started to arise that we thought would be there throughout the whole season. And I feel like it was with the snap of a finger we were down 2-1 to one in the series. And then all of a sudden it's on Garrett Cole's shoulders for Game 4 to have one of those starts after everyone doubts his postseason performance. And he gets it done, you know? Like, he gives up that home run to Naylor when Naylor does the whole Baby Rock celebration, which we don't need to dive too deep into, but considering that they were still losing when he did it i thought wasn't the best look like i'm not mad at him doing that in general i actually like his crazy energy in other situations but yankees go on to win that game goes back to the bronx for game five ends up getting rained out moved to the next day as a day game the scheduling was a complete mess across the board but yankees end up throwing nestor guardians could have thrown beeper on short rest as well but they don't. Savali gets lit up. Pretty much no turning back from there. Game ends on a play where Labor gets the last out at second, does the rocking baby back, and even says, like, that pissed them off when he did that. So he ended up giving the Yankees a little bit of fuel, and they somehow managed to win the series. But it was stressful, and it was just filled with so many of those little bloopers and little small hits that like you said, that's how the Guardians play, but just makes it even more frustrating to watch. They don't necessarily have a lot of big names that you're scared of or a lot of, you know, super power hitters besides like J-Ram. But like Stephen Kwan turned into my most feared hitter. Whenever he came to bat, it was like, oh my God, this dude is not going to get out. Kwan is insane, bro. Like I remember mentioning him before. You really liking him or mentioning him 
vaguely remember the stat of him like not striking out for X yeah he didn't have a swing and miss it? for his first 160 net bats yeah there it is that shit's insane like that's impressive as hell on top of that he's getting the hits it's not like he's just popping up or like on some ikf shit like grounding out the whole time but i'm not swinging and missing no like this guy's hitting three something three plus and now after this series he's like the new i don't even know miguel cabrera like those yankee killers that like never strike out like always get the hits against the yankees i do not want to see the yankees face him literally like he's not gonna hit bombs but he's just that nagging annoying little pain that's always gonna be on your back and yeah shout out to Quan. like that dude's nasty much respect yeah i was legit more scared when he would come up than jram which says a lot when you're talking about another player who could be you know top five ao mvp consideration so big ups to him for sure and we've been talking about their team overall but we haven't really talked about their bullpen yet which is also extremely good especially at the back end with classe as the closer who was one of the nastiest in baseball this year got karen Shack in for the eighth who's just a psycho but he makes it work for him at least on the mound and you got a ton of other guys who just throw solid innings i think what made it worse was again i kind of mentioned it before the yankees started playing in the way that we don't like to see him play in the way that they were playing throughout that bad stretch and errors ikf bad throws or misplays and not having a real left fielder and not really having anyone to back Stanton or having JD and Josh Donaldson literally just playing defense because his bat was fucking fully snoozed up. Yeah, or bringing Clark Schmidt in for a save when that's not his role. They always put him into these bad situations. Like ever since he first came up, it's so frustrating because the Yankees just put him in situations to fail. Yeah, it's a bunch of little mistakes, whether managerial or just like having the quote unquote plan of like, we are going to throw this person after this person, no matter mm-hmm. what the situation, which is what it often feels like. Like there's no feel for the game. It's just kind of like, let's follow what the, the stats say or let's follow what the, the nerds above us say. So yeah, we saw a lot of that and it was like, fuck, like we won, but somewhere in this series, I'll probably say game two or three. I think maybe I even texted you or it was like a conversation, not even just with us. It was like all Yankees fan nation where we were like, oh, no, like even if we pass, like we're not there's no way we'd be Houston. Right. I think going into that series and even going to the playoffs overall, we knew how this team had been so inconsistent, not only this year, but also last year and even before that. And at the same time. You know that you're in the playoffs where it is a limited series. Anything can happen. And we also do have the talent. We had injuries. Don't need to get into all those with DJ and Benny and stuff. But the talent was there like if the bats picked up. Was that going to happen? We knew probably not. But you also in a way want to convince yourself like even if this isn't our best year, maybe we can squeeze it out. And then... The ALCS happens and the games are technically close, like on paper they're close and not like a dramatic difference in runs and everything, but the series never felt close at all. The bats again were dead. Pitching was fine. Pitching was fine all playoffs really, but the bats just did absolutely nothing and it was ugly. 
We also knew going into it that the Astros have crazy pitching depth, and they just made all the hitters look stupid. And it turned even into excuses of, you know, the roof was open at Minute Maid, and the wind was blowing it, and some of it valid, like the judge almost home run, and the stats on that with exit velocity and everything, like, for sure he got robbed in a way, but that's baseball. Like, that is going to happen. You're going to have those things that come up. You can't pin it on that. And especially when you get swept 4-0 to in the series, that's not what made them lose that. And it was so bad that even for Game 4 at home, the ticket prices dropped so low that I was like, I've never been to a playoff game. This is the one time it might be affordable. I might be going to a funeral, but let me try it. And... Let me tell you, it was even worse (laughs) than I expected because one, there was a rain delay that pushed the game back like an hour and a half, even though it was never actually raining after the game start time. It also felt kind of like a metaphor for the season in a way where it would be back and forth and then they go up like Bader hit a big home run and you're like, is there hope for at least this game for them to win? But then no, like they make a mistake, bad labor slash IKF error. And it all comes tumbling down. And I mean, like Juan, Jeremy Pena's the new Yankee killer as well. He was in a similar way, like I was more scared of him than Jordan even somehow. And yeah, it was just brutal. Like Astros own us, like we own the twins. They cheer for us when they see we're getting matched up with them in the playoffs. And I think this year also changed my thoughts about Yankees Astros, where I'd been feeling like, oh, you know, the Red Sox are our classic rivals. That'll never go away. But the Astros, like, we have real bad blood with them. The games always have this intensity, whatever. But then also, CeCe Sabathia made a good point when he said, you can't call it a rivalry if you never win, which I think is fair because we just lose to them every time in the playoffs. And this year, I'm not even mad at the Astros. The Yankees were just so bad themselves that I'm just annoyed at the team just so ugly it never even felt like we were in the fight this one solidified that us not even being real competition for the astros kind of haven't been for (laughs) better part of like four or five years now this was borderline unwatchable and it sucks because if you remember like the beginning of the season when we went through that crazy stretch one like fucking i don't even know just gonna say numbers like 26 out of 30 games or something flying high we were like on pace to break a crazy like wins record and i remember watching those games literally the same season it's crazy how things could change where we were down like four to two in like the sixth or seventh inning and zero worry someone's gonna hit a single and rizzo's gonna come up and hit a bomb or judge will come up and hit a bomb or like i remember literally not being worried on games that we were probably gonna lose like win probability we're probably gonna lose and we'd come back most of the time and win those the beginning of the season and then it turned the other way where later in the season and for sure for sure in the playoffs where it was like oh we're up 2-0 or we're up 2-1 how are we gonna lose this like it was like the opposite of the thought like oh we're gonna find a way to lose this and the Astros never had a single worry about any of the games it's almost, yeah, like when we play the Twins, like we never really worry or I never worry. And it sucks because, again, this is like a repeat of now, I don't know, four or five years of playing the Astros and no 
real change has been made. So it's frustrating as hell just to watch these two teams play. Yeah, like you said, this was just such a weird season overall after that borderline historic start, or at least the historic pace they were on. And then just to come crashing back to reality and just be who we thought they were, which unfortunately is a team that the bats just will go dead collectively out of nowhere. Slumping is normal in baseball. It happens. But as a whole team at once at the same time, it's just strange. And there were some people who had good performances. Harrison Bader, instant Yankee favorite now, and really pulled up with the bat in the playoffs and is great on defense too, minus that one weird fly ball play. But all the pitchers did great. Wandy, Cole, Laza, and Holmes was like not his beginning of the year self, but he was still good enough. But the bats just did nothing. And then I feel like this season, we're going to remember the judge chase and this kind of collapse. But beyond that, I feel like it's the IKF season. Kind of have already blacked out of my mind that it was also the Joey Gallo season. I'm choosing to forget that happened. But man, like we were saying and heavily discussed among Yankee fans all year, IKF is not it at shortstop, especially on defense. He butchers routine ground balls. And it happened in the playoffs. And then they benched him when the series was on the line with Cleveland as well, just proving the point after a big error he made. But they never admitted all year that they were wrong about him, and they never gave Peraza a proper chance. The fact that they had three different shortstops in the lineup for the first three games of the ALCS tells you everything you need to know. Like, should have called up Peraza way earlier, should have gotten him playing time, and I think that whole situation with him and IKF and the shortstop position when IKF was meant to be a stopgap anyway is just such a symbol for how frustrating this season was as far as how the teamers ran. I don't have much to add to that. To me, it also just bothers how like almost just seems like stubbornness. Yeah, stubbornness and pride too. Yeah, like there's like this weird pride and it's like I'm sure everyone's aware, everyone knows. I mean, we see even some of the Yankee staff talking about it and like after the games and the post games and stuff it's like a known thing and it feels like the office is just almost say like oh but we do things our way anyway like we can't let you guys decide and we're not saying this because we just don't like a guy who said something weird no it's like we see this obviously you have professionals and shit that know how to read those or implement them but everyone's seeing the same thing and it's like this thing of even with the press conference and stuff which i don't watch many but i kind of just see through Twitter and stuff and Boone and Cashman and everyone just kind of like talks to fans and media like if we're fucking idiots and don't even watch the same game that they're watching and that's again frustrating it's like almost like putting a blank face or stare and like avoiding what they should be answering or facing or changing and man it's like please change this because I don't know that I could deal or like even enjoy a season or two more of the same tactics and the same mindset and thought of like running the team the way that they are there's like so much good that i think we saw a glimpse of in the season that like just keep that and then build around it like you said bader want bader to be my center fielder i don't even know what we see a week of him playing or not even in the regular season and 
the playoffs, that dude was on demon time. Like, the dude was just going crazy. But even before that, even with just what I saw in the season, how he plays defense, like, I feel like we haven't had a confident center fielder since, I don't even know, like, maybe the first year of Hicks. So, yeah, like him, Oswaldo, and even Peraza, like, I like. Give him a chance. Let's see how they do. So, yeah, there's, like, a bunch of positives. But please, like, let that stubborn shit go. Mostly with the IKF and JD combo. Or even just not starting Peraza because of JD and IKF. Everything else, I feel like it's solvable. I don't even want to get into the whole judge contract thing. Obviously, I could speak for both of us and that we want him back. But let's just say, let's not be surprised when he walks away. Because I'm not expecting much at this point from the Yanks. Also, not a hot take. Cashman's on the ropes. For sure, for sure. And I think it is like his contract season where like he has to get signed again or something. But yeah, there are a lot of free agents right now, including Cashman, although it's assumed he'll come back. By the time this episode drops, he might be rehired again anyway. And yeah, we got judges free agency, which is going to be just a nightmare already seeing all the uniform mock-ups, Dodgers, Giants, etc. Even Red Sox, which is just disgusting. Not enjoying at all. Already seeing the crazy rumors like the Dodgers saying that they'll do anything for Judge. Yeah, Giants will not be outbid. <laughs> they will not be outbid. And eight more teams are in. A, and I'm like, okay, I get it. These are just like rumors and whatnot. I'm sure one or two of them are kind of true. Like teams want the best player to play in the last 10 years. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, even between just Cashman and Judge stuff alone, like Cashman has had some of these great value trades like Wandy Peralta or Clay Holmes, etc. But the Yankees also try to move in this outsmarting you or getting the best value kind of way. And I'm not saying they need to go full back to the George Steinbrenner, just pay every great player the most amount days. And they have signed like Cole and they have the standing contract and stuff, but it's not even the money as much as it just feels like the club is not being run to win. And if you look at the judge situation, again, we're not going to go super in-depth, but I'll just sum it up briefly as this man is the perfect Yankee, gives the perfect quotes that they want to the media, handles himself perfectly to fans old and young alike, literally has a section in the stands called the judge's chambers that's built out like a judge's box. And with this home run race this year, just boosted it even more. Of course, he's going to demand a lot of money well-deserved, pay the man. Just make it happen. You don't get players all the time now who stick around at organizations for their whole career. Let Judge be that person. Let him be that Yankee. Let him be the new captain that he already is, like Nestor said it recently as well. Not that it needs to be confirmed, but all the guys rally around Judge. He's who they look to for leadership. Build whatever this next generation is around him. Definitely bring him back. If it turns into a Freddie Freeman situation, you know, kind of prepared for that at this point. But definitely would like him back. And then they have like other free agents like Rizzo, who's expected to opt out. Benintendi, Tyone, Carp, Castro, Britton, Chad Green, Marwin. Like there's a bunch of people who are going to be off. So should be, I guess, an interesting offseason. But at this point, I'm so deflated by not just losing, but like we said, how they were run. I'm not even excited for the offseason right now. I'm weirdly excited for it because I see this as an opportunity to change that, to turn this thing around. The mindset, the players, 
So there's like a lot of moves to be made, which to me is exciting. Do I have super high hopes? Not really, but it's that thing, you know, there's always that little, there's that 5% <laughs> chance. There's that chance that we learn from it, that we don't try to go for IKF and we try to get a, hate to say this name, a Correa. I don't want Correa, but you know, what I mean is a real shortstop. Trey Turner, yeah. Yes, something like that. There's that chance. Let's fix it. Let's not try to play the the race baseball where they outsmart and come from left field with like something up their sleeves and that's not our game to play they have to do that because their budget is literally a fraction of the yankees budget you don't have to be the steinbrenner era spent 300 mil per player type thing but maybe there's a happy middle spend a little bit let's hope it actually happens yeah and every year for yankee fans it's world series or bust this year was no different even despite the pro of the start of the season and judges' home run race, I would still go with a solid con for this year overall. On paper, the season wasn't too bad. If you look, we almost got to 100. Sucks we didn't get to the 100th win. I think what made it ugly is that it was like a front-loaded, top-heavy. Most of the good parts came at the beginning, so like the whole back end of it was kind of all negative. I feel like if it was a little bit more even... It wouldn't have been as ugly or as frustrating as it actually was. I don't want to be too harsh. Like I said, I think there's a lot of positive. It's just like the negatives are just really bad. But because of Judge, because of the future players, it's a season that many teams wish they have. There's obviously super terrible teams out there. The Yankees weren't that. They just weren't good enough to be the champs. Can't go too low won't go solid but i go like a light con and that wraps it up for this episode of pros and cons we're recording this right before the world series is about to start so if any other things happen with the yankees between now and when this episode drops that's why we didn't talk about it i'm jack you could find me at jack from summer summer with an o on everything and i'm kev you could find me at same old kev pretty much everywhere shout out judge for making history this year Shout out the Oswald slash Oswaldo bros and bring back Rizzo. I want to see him back in pinstripes too.